When we think about Jesus, He is the Savior of the world. He died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again to conquer death. And whoever believes in Him will never perish but have eternal life. And we have that simple of a message that Jesus died and rose again. You believe in Him, you get eternal life. In fact, you're trusting Him for eternal life. And so that's the the key. And so, But when we think about it, that uh, a lot of times people just say, well, the whole issue is just salvation. Well, which salvation? Because you know there's a justification salvation and a sanctification salvation and a glorification salvation. And so I want to to think about what we call sanctification, salvation, Christian life. And we see what Paul did as he stood for Christ. What about us? Well, here's some things. By faith in Christ, we become children of God, and we're ambassadors for Christ. We are to represent Jesus in this fallen world, but the world itself is controlled by Satan and affects us, affects our flesh. And standing for Christ oftentimes results in persecution. And this is what we're seeing Paul, on, on the first missionary journey, they, he'd, go, he'd go to a town, lead people to Christ. They'd run him out of town. He'd go to the next town, run him out of Christ. Same thing, run him out of town. And now on the second missionary journey, we're seeing what's about to happen. They, they were ready to go. They were going to go back to the churches, and, and, and then something changed. Let me give you the second missionary journey. As you know, they started from Antioch. They went to Tarsus, probably through his hometown, went to those places. This is where they picked up Timothy. And what they wanted to do was go here, and God said no. So they said, okay, we'll go over here. And God said, no. And so they kept going this way until they finally got to Troas. And then in a vision, in a dream or a vision, Paul saw a man from Macedonia saying, come on over. This is Macedonia up here, northern Greece, southern Greece. Achaia is southern Greece. Macedonia is northern Greece. He said, come on over here and get, help us. Give us the message. So Paul and them decided what, what we're supposed to do is to go there. So when you look at it in Acts 15, 9 through 10, Paul has the vision of a man of Macedonia saying, come on over to help us. Paul says when he had seen the vision, he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding God called us to preach the gospel to them. So we're supposed to go to Macedonia. He had already tried to go to Bithynia and some other places, and they, God said no. The Holy Spirit said no. And so uh, they said, well, what are we supposed to do? And now we're going to Macedonia. Now this is what we'd say is Europe. They're going into this part of the world, and they end up going to a city called Philippi. In fact, if you look at verse 12 of Acts 16, it says, and from there they went to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in this city for some days. Now, the we is Luke is with Paul now, and Luke is writing this as he puts this down. And so we're going to go, they go to a city called Philippi, which we all know it's the letter to Philippians. This is a church that Paul starts, leads them to Christ, of course, they started. And then later he writes to them, and we'll see what he writes to them in just a second. But this is a Roman colony. And that was pretty special. It was the same as if you were in Rome. There were a lot of cities throughout the Roman world that weren't Roman colonies. And they may have different things. All were under the laws of the Roman government, but things were different. When you came to a Roman colony, if you were a Roman citizen, it was really special for you because you had privileges being in that city. So they come to the city. The city's called Philippi. And as they get there, we're going to meet three key people. One's named Lydia, who is a seller of purple. It's a woman, an older woman. Then we're going to meet a young slave girl who's telling everybody's fortunes because she's demon-possessed. And then we meet the one, the man named the jailer who comes in contact with Paul and Silas. Now, on the second missionary journey, Paul is going with a guy named Silas. On the first missionary journey, it was Paul, Barnabas, John Mark. John Mark left about, as they got into the journey, he left. As they got ready to go to the second journey, Paul and Barnabas decided they would go again. Barnabas said, I want to take John Mark. Paul said, no. They split, 
and Barnabas and John Mark went one way, and Paul t- took a guy named Silas, and they went th- this other way. And so they're the ones we're following now. And so he meets, Paul gets there, and he meets Lydia. Look at chapter 16, uh, verse 13. It says, And on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we're supposing there'd be a place of prayer. We sat down and began speaking to the woman who, women who had assembled. assembled. Now, why, why, why didn't they go to the synagogue? Well, the truth, there wasn't a synagogue. You had to have 10 Jewish men to have a synagogue. And Paul finds out that there's not a synagogue that he's been, he's always going into that. And, but there wasn't one. So he heard there was a prayer going on down by the river. And he got down there and he found the woman. And the woman, a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening. Now, worshiper of God doesn't mean she's a believer. It means she worships God, but she hasn't understood the message yet about Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people, if you talk to people and you say, do you believe there's a God? Oh, yeah. Do you believe God is great? Oh, I love God. Yeah, you got it. How do you have eternal life? Well, you try to live a good life. They love God and believe about God, but they're not believers because they've never put their faith in Christ for eternal life. They think it's good, good works. So we see this all the time. So here's this woman who's Jewish. She's a Jewish woman from the city of Thyatira. Now, sell her a purple meant that that's the most expensive clothes you could buy because it took a special kind of dye to, purple, to make things purple. And Roman government, all, many of the officials in Rome wore purple because it was very expensive. So here's this woman. She's fairly wealthy, obviously. She's a seller of purple, of purple and, and she's down by the river, and she's a worshiper of God. And she was listening to Paul's message because he went straight to her. Now, some people would say, uh, you're not supposed to talk to what? Women? I mean... Jewish men didn't really talk to Jewish women or any other women. And so, but he goes down there and he sees these women and he says, let me, uh, how y'all doing? And let me tell you. And so he starts talking to them and, and the Lord opened her heart. She was able to grasp and say, what is going And she responded to the things that Paul had spoken. She believes in Jesus Christ. She trusted, whoops, let me go back. She believed in Christ and then she got baptized. She said, let me get baptized. And when her household had been baptized, she said, if you judge me to favor, come to my house. Obviously, she's wealthy. She has a big enough house. She invites Paul and Silas to come stay at her house. Now she is a believer in Jesus Christ. And we go, wow, that's amazing. And it's too bad there's not any men down there. Where are they? They're not. They're not there. And so she's a believer. And then here's what happens. We saw that we're going to meet a second person. The second person is a slave girl who is demon-possessed. So look a little down, look at verse 16. It happened that as we were going to a place of prayer, a slave girl, girl having a spirit of deviation met us. Now that means she was able to, uh, with, a, with this demonic spirit, able to tell things and future things and all that kind of stuff. And she was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. So some people owned her and they were making money off of her. And so we meet this girl and so look, look what happens. Following after Paul and us, this is Luke writing, it says, she kept crying out, these men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Does that sound good? Does that sound good to you? Are they the servants of the Most High God? Are they telling the way of salvation? You'd think Paul would say, everybody listen to her. That's what you might think. Look what Paul did. She continued doing this for many days, and Paul was greatly annoyed. Annoyed? Annoyed? And turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very moment. 
Well, guess what to the guys who are making money off her telling fortunes? Uh, they lost their money-making girl, is how we sometimes say it. And you could say, why is Paul so upset with this girl who's telling the truth? The right message, but the wrong source. You don't want a, a demonic... See, demons don't normally what? Tell the truth. <laughs> Satan's a liar from the beginning, John six forty four. I mean, so you can't... You know, so he didn't want people thinking his message was coming from a demon-possessed person. And so he, he was annoyed and cast that out. And so when her masters, verse 19, saw the hope of profit was gone, they dragged Paul and Silas, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged him into the marketplace before the authorities. Now, here's what happened. So Paul didn't want that message. When the masters saw it, they grabbed him. They grabbed Paul and Silas because they realized, wait a minute, she can't, because the spirit went out, and they started looking at her, and all of a sudden they realized she's not the same. And they may have actually told her to tell a few fortunes, and she couldn't do it anymore. And boy, they are really upset because now they've lost their money. I mean, you think about it. And, and so what do they do? They, they get Paul and Silas, and they drag them into the marketplace before the authorities. Now, what kind of city is this? It's a Roman colony. And Paul is a what? Roman city. But they never ask him that, and he never tells them. They, they, when they saw, they dragged him and they brought him to the chief magistrates and they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion being Jews and are proclaiming customs which are not lawful for us to accept or to observe being Romans. They said, they're not really Romans. They're messing things up. What was the real issue? Real issue is they lost their money-making girl. The real issue is they lost their profit. And they don't really care anything about what they're saying. About, they're just saying, listen, we lost our money. And we don't like this. And, and so look at verse 22. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had been struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And having received such a command, he threw them in the inner prison. Not only there's a prison, but there's an inner part and fashioned, fashioned their feet Listen, so, so being a Roman citizen, of course they said you must be innocent until proven guilty, and so we're going to have a trial and everything. Is that what they did? No. no. They just tore their clothes and then beat them with these rods and beat them. And look, look what it says. It says they proceeded to beat them with rods, and when they struck them with many blows. And we're not talking about two or three hits. We're talking about beat them. Have you ever been hit with a rod? you ever been hit with a stick? I mean, that hurts a lot. And, I mean, they were beating them up. And, and, and then they threw them in the prison, and they said to the jailer, you make sure these people can't get out of here. They're terrible. And so he, having received the command, he put them in the inner prison, and then he fastened their feet and stocks. They're stuck. To, they, they can't even move. They're stuck. Notice, Paul and Silas had no trial or inquiry by the rulers. Now, this is a Roman town. This is a Roman colony. They never even asked, and they just assumed that since Paul was Jewish and Silas was Jewish and they were proclaiming some kind of message, they just assumed that they're not Romans. I mean, how many Jewish people were Roman citizens? Not very many. And so they threw him into prison, and now we're going to meet the third person, and that's the jailer. And he, he's, you know, he, he's the guy that's got to keep them. And so we've seen Lydia, we've seen the slave girl, and as it says here, that was serious crimes. They threw them in there, having received the command, threw them in the inner prison, fastened their feet in stocks. It was a, it was like a dungeon. It was the middle part. You can just picture that this this 
had walls and and door, you know walls around it and a door and then inside people were chained most of the prisoners in there were chained but Paul and Silas were not only chained they were put in the back and put in stocks and maybe in an inner part of the prison you just never could tell so have you ever been put in prison for proclaiming the gospel no in fact we don't do it very much do we I mean we we what we don't no, I mean, we don't share our faith very much. Most people don't share their faith very much. In fact, all the statistics show that about 70 to 80% of believers never share their faith in their whole lifetime. Think about that one. No wonder now that people don't know anything about Christ because we're not telling them. But what if we did? What if we did? And what if they did jump on us? What if they did mistreat us? How do we handle? How do we respond to persecution? We know this. It's coming. We know it's coming. We said it for years. We said it 50 years ago. Oh, it's coming. But we thought it's way in the future. Now it's the future. It's here. And what we believe and stand for is sometimes called hate speech. When you say that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, that's hate speech. When you say certain things are right and certain things are wrong, already in our country, it's hate speech. It's coming, y'all. It's coming. You might as well get ready for it. So how are we going to respond to persecution? How did Paul and Silas respond to persecution? What? Singing and praying. (laughs) Look at verse 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Do you think when they were praying and singing that they were also telling how to have eternal life? You know, I always amaze Paul because when Paul got arrested at the very end, when he, well, when he went into prison, uh, what we call the prison epistles, we'll get to that when he was taken to Rome, he was chained to a Roman soldier all the time. Or let me put it another way. A Roman soldier was chained to him all the time. And what do you think Paul said? Hey, I'm so glad you're here. I got some news to tell you. And did you know that it says that the message of Jesus Christ had spread throughout all many of the Roman guards? He says, spread throughout the praetorium, and the praetorium is where the Roman guards stayed. So when Paul was in prison in Rome, many of the Roman soldiers believed in Christ because of Paul's ministry. And of course, it's pretty, pretty great. In one sense, Paul said, I pretty much got a captive audience. I'm the captive, but they can't leave. And uh, so it's pretty amazing. And so what are they doing? In the middle of the night, they're singing and praying and praising God and singing hymns of praise. And the prisoners were listening to him. I guarantee you they were given the message of salvation. Midnight, praying and singing hymns that we have to trust God in the trials of life. Ain't nothing easy about it. We just, if most of, many of you are in here for first service. That is one of the hardest passages we ever have to deal with. And so we have to trust God no matter what's going on. And so suddenly, what happens? Verse 25, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. They'd probably been chained to the wall, and all of a sudden their chains all drop off of these people, and Paul and Silas, they were in stocks, it falls off, the doors are open, the door to the prison comes open in this earthquake. And if you're Paul and Silas, what you could be thinking before this happened is, well, we came here to share the message, and now we're in prison. How is God going to use this? Right? 
How is God going to use this? Now, let me just say something nice. Does it say that that demonic girl who had the demon passed out, does it uh, pass out of her? Does it say that she believed in Christ? It doesn't say anything about it. We don't know whether she became a believer or not. We know Lydia did. And now they're in this mess, and suddenly this earthquake comes. And the truth is this. Wherever you are, whether you're in prison, or whether you're at the ice cream store, or wherever you are, we got to be ready to do what? Share our faith. Because something amazing happens. Here comes the earthquake. And I mean, it is while the doors come open, everything falls off. And the jailer, verse 27, when the jailer awoke, and he went, oh my goodness, and the prison doors opened, he went, good gracious. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoner escaped. In, in Roman law, if you're the, 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 the soldier, and you have guarded people, and they get away, you die. And so he says, oh my, they're getting out. They're getting out. And look what he says. He drew the sword. He's about to kill himself because he said, they're going to kill me anyway. I might as well kill myself. And you remember that when they threw uh, Paul, I mean, when they threw Peter and, and those people into prison, and then God opened the door and they got out, they, they killed the guards. They killed the guards. That's what they did with guards. If, you, if, the person, if they didn't know anything about it, they went and opened the cell up and there was nobody in there. And they said, we had a lock. Nobody ever went past us. Well, they did. And so the jailer says to himself, there's no sense in me postponing this. They're going to get me one way or another. I might as well kill myself. So when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. He's about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And, and he was responsible. He was responsible. If anyone escaped, he was to be put to death. But Paul looked out, and he could see what was happening. And Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. They didn't run off. In fact, probably they got ready to run off, and Paul probably and Tyler said, Don't run off. Don't run off. Just stay right here. Stay right here. And nobody left. And the jailer comes and goes, Oh, my gracious. And Paul says, Don't kill yourself. We're all in here. And all of a sudden, I think things hit this guy like, what is going on here? He called for lights, rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas and said and brought them out and said, and by the way, we'll stop for just a second. What is going on in this man's life? Do you know, do you think he knows why Paul and Silas are in jail? I think he does. I mean, it was an uproar in the town that they tore these two guys that came in the town, tore their shirts off, beat them with rods, and threw them into prison. Everybody knows. Why were they thrown in prison? Because they'd given this message of salvation about this man named Jesus and, and that you can have eternal life and you can be saved forever and you can go to the kingdom of God. And he's heard all this. And now suddenly he realizes there's something miraculous going on. And so trembling, he comes down, he brought them out, and he asked probably the greatest and most important question that could ever be asked. What must I do to be saved? And that is the most important question that any person could ever ask. How do you have eternal life? What can I do to be saved? How can I not be separated from God forever, but how can I be with God forever? See, you got to realize that he knew. He knew about these men. He knew their message. He knew about the slave girl. He knew about the singing of hymns. He knew they were proclaiming a message of salvation. That's why he asked the question. If you think he didn't know anything and just suddenly out of the blue said, how much can I be saved? No, he knows everything is going on. He knows why they're in prison. He knows what's going on. And so he asked the question. 
How can I be saved? And he's, he's not talking about how can I get out of this predicament. He's saying, how do I have life? How do I have that message that you've been talking about? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you in your household. What is the message of salvation? It's to believe. Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. Whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. There are 165 places in the New Testament that say you're saved by faith. That's just in the New Testament. We're not talking about the Old Testament. 98 times in the Gospel of John, in one book, 98 times you're saved by faith. If you were going to give somebody and tell somebody a book to read from the Bible in order that they might have eternal life, what book would you tell them to read? The Gospel of John. 98 times in John it says you're saved by faith. That's why we have those little books called Living Water out there. They are the Gospel of John, and at the back they have a clear presentation of the Gospel. Take those. Take, you can take as many as you want. we got thousands of them. I mean, literally thousands. And we're going to the Grace Conference again this, fall, this spring, and we're going to pick up probably another 5,000. So you need to give them away. You need to use them. You need to say, hey, read this. You'll love it. Sometimes people read it, they don't realize they're reading the Bible. They just see it's a story about Christ, about Jesus. And 98 times in there, they'll see it's by faith. Faith is taking God at his word. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe what? Believe that he gives you eternal life. Believe that he will save you. Salvation is in a person, by the way. Salvation is in the person of Christ. A lot of people say, believe in the finished work of Christ. No, no, you believe in Christ who finished the work. People say, you need to believe Jesus died and rose again. No, you need to believe that Jesus Christ gives you eternal life. Jesus is what you believe in. Salvation is in a person. It is not in an action. It's in a person. Believe in Christ for eternal life. So many people are confused. What do you hear people say? You say, what's the response for salvation? Repent of your sins. Give your life to Jesus. Ask him into your life. Make him Lord of your life. Walk down an aisle. Get baptized. Those are all responses that you hear. That you hear. The response in the Bible is not repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus, walk down an aisle, make him Lord of your life. The response in the Bible is to believe in him for eternal life. That's what the response is. God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his son to die and rise again, that whosoever does what? Believes has what? Eternal life. That's the response. Believe in him for eternal life. Whoever believes in him will never perish, but have eternal life. Let me ask you this question. What if today you leave church, you go somewhere, and somebody were to actually say to you, could you tell me how I could have eternal life? And you may say, that's not going to happen. I got on an airplane one time, flying back and forth from Borger, Texas, from Dallas to Borger, going back and forth when I was in seminary. And there just happened to be two girls, and I sat in between them. And so I was talking, that was before Jean, long before Jean. Anyway, so I met this, so I started talking to this one girl, and she told me she had just gone to this camp. And I said, oh, that's fine. And she told me about that it was a Christian camp and everything. And this other girl never said a word, and then she tapped me on the shoulder, and I said, yeah. She said, I hear what y'all talking about. Could you tell me how I could be saved and have life that you're talking about? I said, oh, yeah, I hadn't really worked on my verses. I'm not sure I'm ready. <laughs> what would you say? Yes, I can tell you. 
One verse. God loved you. And he gave his son to die for you and rise again. And that if you would believe in him, you'll never perish but have what? Everlasting life. It's by faith in Christ who promises to you eternal life. You may never know. Somebody may walk up you in Brahms while you're buying ice cream and say, uh, you dressed up. Looked like you went to church. Did you go to church? Well, yeah, I did. I did. I've been really struggling lately. And could you tell me what church is all about and what this Jesus is are you ready? Are we ready? We have to be ready. Well, they presented the word to him clearly. Look at verse 32. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with those who were in his household. Listen, they didn't just say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. They gave more information. And they told him. And it says that took that very hour and they washed their wounds and immediately they were baptized. These people got baptized. This whole house believed. And, and the baptism, of course, is to show that you're saved. That's what it is. I mean, it's a, a testimony. It's you're showing your identification with Christ. It, it's nothing wrong with getting baptized. Baptism has nothing to do with salvation. I'm not talking about water baptism. But it is a testimony to tell the people that you have believed in Jesus Christ. So this is amazing. And then what happened? The next day. The next day, the magistrate said, you can release these men. And the jailer said to, said to Paul, the chief magistrate has sent to release you. So now you can go. This is so fantastic. You can go. And Paul says, we ain't going. We're not going. And you can see the jailer go, what? you're free. You're free. You can just go. And Paul said, they have beaten us in public without a trial, men who are Romans and have thrown us into prison, and now they're sending us away secretly. No, 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 no. they got to come get us themselves. Notice, they beat us in public. There was no trial. We're Roman citizens. We've done nothing wrong, and they're just going to let us slip out. We're not slipping out. You're going to come to us and admit that you're wrong and that you messed up. The policemen reported these words to the chief magistrate, and they were afraid when they heard this that they were Romans. They were afraid. You know what? Sometimes you could get, if you were a Roman official and you violated the law, and you could get killed. Well, already no prisoner or jailers could be killed. I mean, under Roman law, it was pretty strict. So what did they do? They came and appealed to them, and when they had brought them out, they begged. They kept begging them to leave. Please leave, and don't cause us any more trouble. Please leave. But so what did Paul do? They came out of the prison. They went to the house of Lydia. And they saw the brethren and encouraged them. And then they what? Then they left. They said, we'll leave town, but not right this second. We got people we got to talk to. They went back to Lydia's. Now, Paul wrote to these people. What did this church see? They saw Paul and Silas thrown in jail and persecuted because they're believers. He writes them later. Philippians 1, 29 and 30, for you, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only for you to believe in him, but also what? To suffer for his sake. There's persecution coming. Experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, you saw happen to me, and now you're here to be in me. See, when Paul wrote this, he's in prison again. Paul said, you know what to expect, not only to believe, but to what? Do you think that applies to us? We've been... We believed in Christ, so it's for us, for Christ's sake, that not only to believe in him, but to what? Suffer. I don't like it a bit. Do you like it a bit? I don't want to suffer. But you know, there may come a time when they're going to say, you either deny or you're going to go to jail. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? 
I hope when the time comes, I'm strong enough to stand and say, you can put me in jail all you want to. I hope we all do it. I hope we all stand strong. Wow. So, real quick, ooh, we've gone over. Let me give you an application. Let's look for opportunities to share our faith. Whoops, that was too fast. Let's look for opportunities to share our faith. I mean, that, that, you know, uh, Paul went down to the river. He didn't stay up in town and say, maybe some of those people down by the river, maybe they'll come up here. No, he went to where they were. And a lot of people say, maybe they'll just come to church and hear the message. They're not coming to church. You've got to go out where they are. As you are going, not as they are coming. Okay? Second, let's realize that we may be persecuted for our stand for Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas were. We look throughout history, people are. And maybe it's coming here. And third, let's proclaim the grace message of salvation. Be clear on the message. Don't mess it up. You have a responsibility to be as clear as possible. Don't go back to hearing, th- saying things you said when you were 12 years old. Repent of your sins and give your life to... Don't say that mess. It's not in there. You know what's right. Don't get caught up into all the stuff you've heard all your life. We have membership training coming up sometime. If we've got you to sign up. A lot of times we'll have membership training. We'll talk to people. I'll teach through exactly what is the salvation message. Believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. I'll get off with a person by myself at the thing, and I'll say, if you were to die, will you go to heaven? And they say, yeah. And I say, why? And they can't tell me. They say, well, I, 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 well, I walk down the... I, I said, did you believe in Christ for eternal life? Don't use all the jargon that you heard all your life. Go back to what the Scripture says and tell people that it's faith alone, Christ alone, for eternal life. 